Intelligence. Energizing your email marketing with Kate Barrett. Brought to you by eFocus Marketing. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence. I'm Kate Barrett, the founder of eFocus Marketing, a specialist email marketing agency helping companies to use email more intelligently. Today for our Intelligence Masterclass, once again, we're going to dig down into a specific area of email marketing to help you increase your results. So today I want to talk about changing the status quo around email marketing. And it's my absolute pleasure to welcome Mark Ash, CEO of Pure360 to join me in this discussion today. Mark has over 20 years experience in email and digital marketing. He's held a number of senior leadership roles within the MarTech industry and started his career at DoubleClick during the early days of digital advertising and has also led the growth of a number of other digital marketing businesses. In July 2018, Mark joined Pure360 as their new CEO. So Mark, welcome and thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Kate. It's good to be here. So before we jump in, do you want to give us a quick introduction as to who Pure360 are and how you help clients? Sure, yeah. Um, uh, Pure360 is uh, an all-in-one marketing and personalization suite. Um, We're a a platform that uh, enables marketers to personalize all aspects of their customer lifecycle. And uh, our platform is supported by a, a group of experienced email and web marketers um, with hundreds of years experience. Um, and, you know, for us, uh, the technology is an important point in um, obviously enabling customers to deliver, um, you know, a huge diversity of personalized uh, communication with their customer bases. Um, but it's also important that we we help those marketers with the the combined experience of a number of people that have been in the business for quite a number of years um, and can help our customers get the most out of that technology. So that you know the focus for us, you know, and, and our big, you know, our, our mission really as an organisation is help marketers be the best they can be, so that we can help our customers compete more effectively in their marketplace. Um, and by doing so, they can, you know, realise uh, the growth ambitions that they have, um, and they, um, you know, drive a much better uh, brand engagement with their consumers, and that, that leads to that growth and long-term retention with their customers as a result. Excellent, and a lot of that comes from insight. And Pure Three Hundred and Sixty are the sponsors of the DMA's most recent reports. So the Marketer Tracker that was released back in March, and the Consumer Tracker which was released in January twenty twenty. So we're going to be referring to some of the stats from those in this episode. So anyone listening that doesn't already have a copy, it's completely free. Head over to the Pure Three Hundred and Sixty website and download them. I'll put the links in the full show notes. Uh, you can go and find those directly you don't have to search for them so if you go to e-focusmarketing.com forward slash podcast forward slash episode 20 you'll find those links to both of those reports there now both of those reports highlight some of the key challenges and trends that marketers experience when it comes to creating good email marketing campaigns And we're seeing the world changing. We have to make sure that our strategies and how we implement these into our daily campaigns is adapting and changing too. 
Otherwise, email as a whole won't die, but your results are going to stay at steady decline. And we don't want that. So having a customer centric approach to your email marketing is absolutely vital. We know that. But that means understanding what your customers want, as well as how you can deliver that in a way that's going to truly connect with them. So especially with times like we've seen this year with the global COVID-19 pandemic, but just in real day-to-day life as well, being human is absolutely key to good email marketing. And it is that good that we need to focus on here and using email intelligently. So Mark, let's start there. In this year's report, we saw a continued disparity between what marketers think versus what consumers actually want to hear about from them and the way in which they want to hear about it. So why do you think that is? Why do you think as marketers, we're still not listening to our customers and we're still putting our brands first rather than our customer first? I think there's a combination of things there, really. Um, Yeah, you know, it's, it's worrying that that gap still exists that gap reflects consumers' growing need, desire um, for for better comms. Um, you know, as we've as consumers, we've gone used to a huge amount of de- device digression. Um, we expect brands to have more joined up thinking. We expect brands to offer a greater a greater experience across all channels, um, and you know that expectation doesn't necessarily match. Um, always the capabilities that uh, a brand um, can necessarily deliver. Um, and, you know, I think th- there's there's a lot of things, you know, um, that, that underpin that. Some of it is being able to be joined up and truly holistic um, with your other channels and deliver a much more seamless multi-channel experience. Um, some of that is just about being authentic and being human, as you, you rightly point out, I think, um, you know how the the uh, the, the pandemic has and allowed marketers to really rethink what's important. How how I communicate with my customers um, has changed during that period, and not only that has, has has lent us all to rethink really what's what's important um, in in the use of uh, email communication. Being authentic is absolutely key. Um, not just following a trend for the sake of it, but understanding where we're adding value to the overall customer experience is really important. Um, email services as, as a wonderful channel. We all know that um, for driving um, good ROI. It's the, the best performing it has been since I've been in the business. Um, but you know, part of that is as a result of its fantastic means for engaging with consumers um, for developing relationships with those those uh, customers of ours, and you know, in, improving brand engagement, um, and I think the the difficulty is for a number of modern marketers, their focus is, is always on the immediate short term ROI. Right, they've often got a sales target. If I get this newsletter out, um, then that's going to drive me immediate sales, um, and that isn't necessarily the best way of looking at the role of email and judging its success. Um, I think that the overall value of email is the impact it has on the customer experience as a whole. So, you know, are you delighting customers whilst they're enjoying the use of your product as opposed to constantly trying to 
sell them um, at every given moment, right? Um, this is where personalization isn't just about personalizing the best offer that you can give them right now and then, but it's about personalizing the right, the most appropriate mo- message at any given moment. Um, and that isn't always and necessarily a, a sales message there and then. So I think it's multifaceted, the issue, but I think that we have to really think holistically as email marketers about how we are improving the overall experience that a consumer has with the brand. Are we delighting them? Do do they want to engage with us as a result of how we are talking to them? Do we relate to them as human beings? Um, And do we recognize their challenges and want to try and solve those things? And I think if we do that, then we're meeting that, we are slowly eroding that perception gap because consumers you know, view their email program, I think, in slightly different terms um, than email marketers and their internal sales KPIs. And that's that's the critical point, isn't it? It's We've got to find that connection between how we're thinking about email internally and what consumers want from us. And you've, you've pulled up some really interesting points there about how we do it. So, For me, I think the starting point for those considerations is our data. You know, a lot of companies still don't have enough of a handle on that data and particularly post GDPR where consumers are so much more aware of what they're giving us and when they do give it to us, if we're not using it, we're letting them down. So we have to understand our data and start to use that to preempt their needs. So for example, with the capability of Pure360, being able to do RFM analysis, so recency frequency monetary, and actually understand who those people are in terms of buying behavior and where they sit on that scale of never bought from you before or buy from you every single day and are you know your most loyal customer customers. You've got to start with your data and understand who those people are. But like you said, that they're not just numbers. So what is that data telling you about them as people? And how do you put that into a real life scenario and put that empathy into it and understand how to change your your tone of voice? And you mentioned about personalizing content. So you know, do you think there are any other key considerations we need to have when we're trying to bring all of that together in this new way of interacting with our subscribers? I think uh, the data is a clear starting point, and you've alluded to that really, really well. That um, yeah, I, I feel that you know, certainly in the, the examples um, that uh, we've had with our customers, it's all a, a question of um, data maturity and. You know, companies are getting better, um, but it, it, it's not where it needs to be, I think, to, to manage that consumer expectation, as we mentioned previously. Um, and, you know, it's important that we um, continue that development curve and that marketers, therefore, focus on uh, not just getting enough data, but trying to understand what it means, right? The, the first step, you know, over the, the, the history of time has been understanding that simple profile data, um, that you can use to personalize. Um, and in, in, in a lot of circumstances, that's helped with personalization of products, for instance, on a product level. What types of products do you buy? Um, and so if you're interested in a particular category of product, I want to you know, try and offer you or give you offers that match those types of products. Well, that's, that's, you know, that's a better than nothing, I suppose. But 
um, that doesn't really un- it doesn't give you any learnings around what wh- what is the customer thinking? Why are they buying that product? What is the context to buy? Um, what are their taste profiles? And and that's where we're kind of pushing the curve now on on improving that personalization, taking to the next level. It's understanding, you know. Um, yeah, me as a as a, um, somebody who's got two boys, I, I I will have different context to buy versus somebody else for the same product. You see, um, and that's really important to understand. Um, you know, what's their recency frequency um, of buying a particular product, and what are the conditions and characteristics that are important to me. Um, versus somebody else, you know, with with all of that information in mind. So getting enough data is one thing, but spending the time to understand what that says about the user and user-centric marketing is really um, where marketers, I think, need to be spending much, much more time than they're doing. Automation has helped us do product-level personalization, which is great. It helps. At the same time, we've all had horror stories of being sold the same thing a million times over, right? And remember that story of someone on Amazon buy, you know, be, buying a toilet seat and then being sold product recommendations of, <laughs> you know what I mean, yep. another 20-odd other toilet seats. I mean, there's, there's always got to be context that goes into personalization. And it, it's, it's, it's not only just about, you know, wanting to understand the user, but it's liberating, and I think that this is the thing with marketers. It feels like a time drag. It feels like a big effort to oh, to collect this data, then to segment it, to analyze it. It always comes, it's always a second priority, Kate, for a lot of people because BAU is get the newsletter out, get the newsletter out, get, you know, the, the seasonal, get that out. Well, I would say that if anything, this, this COVID experience, the, the, a pandemic has taught us is that the old way of doing things isn't isn't necessarily here to stay, and that now is a really good time to rethink and to adapt to um, creating a you know uh, different experiences when it comes to email marketing, and you know it's liberating to pour through the data and understand how your customers think, how they feel, what are their triggers to to not necessarily just to imbibe, but what are their triggers to perform a whole array of different actions and different behaviours. Um, and if we understand that, then it, it it makes the whole process so much more creative. It gives us a new angle on coming up with new copy, with uh, formats of communication, of what to say to to our customers, right? And I know that that's something that your day in day out marketer can sometimes struggle with, right? What do I say? What do I what what have I got new to talk to my customers about? Well, if we understood how they used our products and services what they're trying to achieve, um, then I, I think that that really lends itself well to to coming up with um, creative ways of engaging them. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And that makes me so excited. And it's moving from, as you said, that product-led marketing to, you know, let's coin the phrase customer-led marketing, because it really is about putting them at the heart of everything that you do and understanding those human nuances behind what you're trying to sell. So for me, certainly what I see with a lot of clients is just at a basic level, no understanding of what that data is. You know, I I speak to a lot of companies that are very big companies, 
very complex data and they very much rely as they should do on their data analyst team so you know they go oh, yeah we've, we've got a team that do that but for me if you're a marketer who doesn't understand your data that's an alarm bell because that should be driving your entire strategy it should be coming from what you have and you should be going to that data analyst team and asking them questions pointing them in the right direction and saying hey you know we've got these pieces of data can you show me how they link together you know for me that's i think where we need to be going marketers need to take that power and need to lead that conversation so truly understanding what you have where it is in your business how it connects together what it's telling you about those customers and those prospects is the first point but how do you think we can go past that so you mentioned about understanding that link between different pieces of data and understanding the more human element behind it so the customer-led element so how would you advise customers to start start going about that or to better do that within their businesses? What are those steps that they should take? Oh, that's a really interesting question. I'm, if we think about what stops marketers from reaching their true potential, um, you know, the, one of the first barriers that I've you know, experienced in the 20 years that I've been in this business is really the, the structure of um, working organizations. Now, you know, this isn't specific to marketing across all teams right you have structures and dynamics in play which are political um, which really stop um, the business um, coordinating its resources to its most efficient and you know there's, there's limited means by which you can change that dynamic that's just human nature but certainly the first step that a you know senior leadership can do is just unpick the KPIs that force siloism. If you wanted to do, deliver a joined-up experience, why on earth would you give separate marketing teams separate KPIs, which kind of work for themselves but not for the rest of the business? So you know, first step is that get your measurement right, get your KPIs right, measure uh, influence, measure how people feel about your brand. The output of all of that is more sales, right? So you know kind of not seeing the woods for the trees they're focusing on well i sent this news that i got this sound but that doesn't tell them what caused those sales or not at that given moment and there's a hundred different reasons why so you've got to you know coming back to the data and you mentioned before data analyst team oh they they you know some marketers somebody else does that that's not my role um and in doing so and that that's very often the case in doing so you are stopping your own ability to influence your results. So I think it's within the role of the modern marketer nowadays that they are multifaceted. They are part creative, they are part technologist, they are part um, data analyst. Um, and they have to be because that reflects the world in which we live in and the use of technology to deliver mass communication at scale, uh, but to do so with a, with a human touch. So. I think it's important that the, the marketers embrace that and not be afraid of it, but kind of work across the business to get access to the data um, uh, so that they can con get a, you know, a bit more control over um, understanding what it all means um, and you know, work with other teams to, you know, for, for a joint outcome. So joint KPIs is at the starter point, and I think that there was a message for senior leadership teams 
across the board is, is um, you know, why why are you using outdated KPIs which don't reflect um, not just the modern way of life, but consumers, right? Why would you um, try and add up all the sales across five channels and expect them to be the real sale, you know what I mean, on a, on a last-click cookie basis? That attribution model just simply isn't true. So why why bother just continuing to use it? Um you know, it's it's just trying to understand. Well, it has this campaign met its objectives? Have I successfully set those objectives? Um, and you know, have I driven influence and engagement with my customers, which will lead them to have a better experience and therefore sales at the end of it? Um, so, part of that is 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 getting into the weeds of the data. I think you've got to have a natural curiosity for that. The second part, out of a three part look at this, I think second part is ask. Your, your customers, your consumers for their data. And a lot of brands struggle with getting enough data because consumers don't, you know, they don't ask the consumers for it. There are different breadcrumbs of data around the business that you can collect through different tools and platforms. Um, but, you know, we would encourage our, consume, our, our brands to engage with their consumers, ask for the data and, and you know, be open and honest and authentic with how they're going to use that data and how that's going to improve the overall experience, you know, collecting that data and then providing a bit more of a tailored service. Well, that's a massive benefit. And there's so many brands that have been born in the data, the digital age, um, that have created their brand as a result of their personalization methodology. You know, the Spotify's, the Netflix of this world, their whole of their core being is personalization. So I'd say, don't be afraid to ask customers for it and use that to generate some creative ways of providing some real value back to them. Uh, and the last one, I think, is, is all about training, investing in training. Um, you know, I think that that's an ongoing struggle. Um, marketers, you know, come into the business, they learn, they move on, they move into a different areas, they might leave the industry. Um, training is just an ongoing discipline. Um, and that's something that's really important to us. You know, we... As I said before, helping marketers be the best they can be. That's our, our mission statement, effectively. And we've created a training framework for our clients. Um, and, you know, it, it, if we want to take care of making sure that our customers achieve the best results possible, we have to take care and responsibility for training them to use the tech effectively and make sure that, you know, we're constantly developing their skill sets to become better marketers. Otherwise, the numbers just won't be improving, and we, we can't expect marketers to just do that on their own. Um, so, you know, all marketers keep keep training, you know, front of mind. I think that's a really important consideration for the modern marketing business. Intelligence, energizing your email marketing with Kate Barrett, brought to you by eFocus Marketing. Pick up a copy of Kate's book, Intelligence. Email marketing isn't dead the way you're using it is. On Amazon now. Excellent. I think you've made some really fantastic points there and have given us a good step by step. So you mentioned about attribution modeling. You mentioned about, uh, you know, doing that data audit. And I mentioned that before as well. I'll put links to, I've got some downloads on the website. So I'll put some links in the show notes for everybody for those. One of the key things I think that came out of what you've just said for me is how can we 
better communicate with senior leadership? How can we get this message into senior leadership, whether that's around convincing them to invest more in their teams, their skills, their learning, or whether it's just changing their mindset around those KPIs that you mentioned. How can we start having better conversations with senior leadership to educate and inspire and change those those mindsets? Uh, senior leaders seeing email as um, it's, not, it's not just a newsletter. It's just not the newsletter program. You know, when it when it comes when you when you think about the, the COVID experience, this the the epidemic and. There'll be a number of brands that are going to be cutting costs left, right, and centre, um, and you've got to think. Well, you know, for those for those brands that just see it as a newsletter program, they will cut work right back. For those brands that see it as a almost their lifeline to their customers, it's, it's something they cannot do without. Do you see what I mean? That kind of gives you a sense of how how your business, how your brand perceives the importance of your customer communication. It's absolutely essential. Now, bearing in mind that there's, you know, um, limited call center activity or other channels that can have that level of one-to-one effectiveness. Um, if, if you're not in the, um, the latter camp and you think that the newsletter is not that effective, that gives you a sense of um, how, how little you, you've, you've managed to make of the channel for the, the purposes of uh, customer engagement and gives you a sense of what could be ultimately achieved in the future, but um, how much your business is missing as a result. And that's a real shame. Certainly, you know, uh, email marketing, because it's so multifaceted, because so many automations are reliant on it, because so many ch- multi-channel communication is reliant on it, so many processes are reliant on it, that it's an absolute must for the vast majority of businesses now um, that that have some form of online transaction, which is the vast majority nowadays. So, um, I think that you know, for those when we when we you know um, look back at this period, uh, we 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 need to see email in a completely different light. In some regards, just email on its own it feels a little bit massively limiting. Um, you know, all other channels are so utterly reliant on it. But um, start by making sure that people measure the KPIs of this channel by more than just newsletter sales, by understanding how it's influenced retention, loyalty, um, people's perception, NPS scores. This is what I mean. Have a, have a wider metric set than just um, newsletter sales. And the importance for the channel will massively increase for any senior leadership team, because then they'll obviously understand, look, email plays a role in almost all um, sales cycles, or email plays a role in in all retention exercises. Um, so that being the case, it, it has to be the single most important source of um, budgeting, of investment across the entire board. Um, and that's the only way, I think. You, you, it's all about business case justifications at a, at a board level of, uh, of how you know you can show improvements if I improve customer loyalty by X amount then um, you know this is a customer lifetime value um, those kind of exercises are really good at showing the incremental benefits that can be had by making small tweaks small adjustments in the levels of engagement that you can have with your consumers across the channel 
Uh, and that, that's the first step, I think, to getting investment in training um, and getting investment in technology, getting investment in, in other services to support that overall effort. And, that, you know, that has to be the start point. Excellent. I think all of those are brilliant points. And it really is the only channel where you can do that one-to-one marketing truly at scale. I think on that point, you've seen, you know, what's, what's happened when, when we have, you know, no physical interaction um, with other consumers, what's, what's really showed up, right, is um, the reliance that some brands have. I've been reading a number of articles this week, actually, of the number of brands, certainly startup brands, um, unicorn brands that, um, that have been reliant on pouring investor money into acquisition channels the Google, you know, Facebook, Amazons of this world. And when that come, grinds to a halt, as we've seen with the, the pandemic situation, uh, they have nothing to fall back on in terms of a customer relationship or a bedrock retention strategy. Um, and, you know, that's, that's creating a huge, absolute, massive pain for a number of those big you know, well-funded until now startup brands, those unicorns, which are struggling. Um, those brands that have, have invested in the email channel that have good prospect pools, good retention strategies, big customer engagement strategies with their customers over email won't be reliant on those other channels. Do you see what I mean? It's, it's kind of highlighted uh, a lot of brands and retailers in particular, their reliance on those paid for channels. For me, I think they're missing a trick that um, you, you need to look after your customer base and don't just wait until someone's a customer before you, you um, engage them over email. Build prospect pools and um, nurture them through to their first sale and beyond. Uh, the cost of acquisition is lower over the long term, but the value you get, you know, someone's email address, you engage them properly, you have them for five, ten years. This isn't the same as uh, spending <clears throat> £10 a click on uh, a one-time click from Google for for someone who's just in the moment, you know, it's it's shifted. I think marketers to think a lot more longer term in their planning and away from the short-term drug that is the the the, the big data oligarchs, the big marketplaces. And it and it says to me, if you really want to save retail, um, then you know we need to think about long and hard about new ways that we open up the market. Um, than, than, you know, being so, so reliant on, on the Amazons of this world. Um, it's dangerous for brands and brands need to really take their retention strategy seriously. Oh, 100%. And we all know that it costs so much more to acquire a new customer than it does to retain a current customer. And like you said, it's not even just about customers. It's about if you are spending money on those acquisition strategies, bring somebody in and instead of them just bouncing off of your website and never coming back again, making sure that you can capture them into your email program, nurture them. And it is surprise and delight. It's relationships. And I think that this pandemic that we've seen this year is going to solidify this even more in in exactly the ways that you've said, but also in terms of loyalty and the way in which brands have 
communicated or not communicated during this time and that will primarily be via email because it is that way to do one-to-one at scale and, and get out to people. Whether they've been able to do that is the first thing. So like you said, whether they've actually been building that database and nurturing through email marketing with their retention strategies anyway in order to communicate during this time how they've used empathy and changed their tone of voice and their messaging to help people during this time. That's going to be really key. And whether or not they have, for some industries, obviously, this isn't appropriate to do it. But for those where it is, how they have continued to communicate and nurture and care and help because loyalty is going to be the thing that is going to take a hit going forward. And as brands, we have to understand how our email marketing plays a pivotal role in that and how going forward, we need to build that communication strategy through email, through other channels as well. We've got to have an omni-channel strategy. Um, you know, we, we know that from the marketer report and the consumer tracker report that customers do want to be communicated with via different channels. But what we also saw from those reports is that before, during and after a sale, you know, customer service across all of those points, email is still the primary channel. So we have to consider as we move through the pandemic and as we move post pandemic, have we got the right strategy in place to nurture and retain those customers and build that loyalty where loyalty will have taken a hit this year? So that for me is definitely going to be critical to strategies on an ongoing basis. So as my final question to kind of bring that together, um, you know, we've got to work on our strategies. We've got to have a strategy first approach to what we're doing. And we've seen in those DMA reports that, you know, marketers have placed technology as a, a significant challenge to successfully executing email campaign campaigns. So going forward, as we need a solid strategy, how can we make sure we've got the right technology in place to support that strategy? Well, I, t- technology is certainly one thing, but I think it um, goes beyond that. It comes down to leadership. It comes down to training, Kate, to be honest. Um, uh, I, I think it all comes back. If we look at the start point, we've, we've had, and I think that sometimes this is... Um, this is a bit of an issue for the industry. We see, we've seen for the last 20 years, uh, email is the highest ROI, right? And that, that wrongly gives the impression that email is easy. Oh, you know, if I just send this email out, then I'm going to get X number of sales. There's no other channel that, that could do that with the least amount of effort. So what typically happens is, oh, yeah, well, we'll, we'll just get uh, somebody, in, a junior member of the staff with no training, um, you just monitor click-through rates and open rates. And if they're roughly about the same, then all is good in the world. I think that that massively sets the bar low. What it means is that the a business is getting to a cycle of uh, being okay, being absolutely fine with, being, with paying out money to the data oligarchs monthly, month on month on month, and email newsletter has to just be marginally better than it was before. Um, we, we don't take customer uh, churn seriously enough um, and use the opportunity to understand why they churn and why they're unhappy with the brand or how to re-engage with them properly. Um, So I I think you're right, having the right uh, tracking or just being with the right partners, Kate, to be honest, whether that's 
um, consultants you're working with, whether that's um, technology partners like ourselves. It's somebody that's it has to, you know, has to have your best interest in mind, and that is your longevity of your results, and not, you know, it's too easy to focus on quick wins um, all of the time without understanding what is this leading to, how are we improving the overall experience. Um, you've got to take customer churn experience. You've got to have higher expectations for the channel, I think. And that means being more experimental, being more innovative, having more of a, a test me- methodology. That should be your BAU, not just the news that are going out the, the door. Um, so working with the right partners to put in place a strategy that's agreed at a senior level with KPIs that matter is the first step. Um, and having that strategy first will determine which types of technology you're going to need to get you there. You know, um, the strategy has to dictate your technology choices um, and the the use of your partners to, to get you there and, and um, you know, how that's going to drive the business forward. So I think it's a, it's a kind of combination of things, but it stems from people thinking email is easy. It's not. When it's done incredibly well, it's difficult. Uh, and it should be the highest priority of your business. Um, and everything else um, is is secondary, really, because it's the the only form of one to one communication with your clients. So your your ability to influence is is absolutely enormous. But um, you know you, you have to have higher expectations and make sure that um, your strategy is well thought through, and that you follow that plan through to the end. You know, um, rather than well, let's let's think about what we're going to do for the newsletter this week. You know, if you if that's the situation, I think that um, it's never it's always tactical. It's always um, uh, reactive to the situation. It's never strategic. It's kind of defining my strategy is what it was the kind of experience am I going to create that leaves my consumers absolutely loving my brand. You know, what what is my strategy going to be like to to, to get me there? Um, and then you have that drawn out and then you follow that plan. And I think that's the best way of, of, um, of engineering success. Couldn't agree more. And I think that is the perfect place to round up today's episode. So, Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. And if <laughs> people welcome. feel that Pure360 may be the right technology provider for them, how can they get in touch with you? Mm. They can um, get in touch uh, directly um, on the website, get in touch directly with me or anyone in the team. Uh, my email address, mark.ash at pure360.com. Um, look forward to speaking with you. Excellent. Thank you so much. That's it for today's Intelligence Masterclass. I hope you found our conversation today useful and it's given you some ideas on how you can change that conversation with senior leadership, really put email at the heart of everything that you're doing. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast provider you're listening through. Follow us on YouTube for more video-based content and find eFocus Marketing on all the socials. Thanks for listening, everyone. Intelligence, energizing your email marketing with Kate Barrett. Head to our website for downloads and show notes, e-focusmarketing.com slash intelligence.